Welcome to Black Health Matters. I'm Daryl Armistead, your host. This episode is a Zoom recording of Howard University group session led by Dr. Clive Callender. Uh, I introduced myself as Gloria Nurse, and um, my um, reason for being here this morning is because Dr. Callender did ask me as one of the first people to be receiving the vaccine, I did a trial test in um, September of this year. And um, I wanted to speak to you about it. I don't know if I do that now or should I do that a little later or Now. Clive? Now. Clive? Do it now. now. Well, I guess I'll go ahead. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 I hear you. Yes. I understand now. Yes. Okay. Uh, I was raised in Harlem uh, about 75 years ago. And at that time, I inherited a disease known as asthma. This asthma came through my mother's side and I, as a little baby, struggled with it. And I also um, caught tuberculosis. Where I caught it, I don't know. But both my mother and my father, my mother died of asthma and my father died from tuberculosis. Uh, before I was a year old and I came and I lived with Clive and I was better known as the baby then and um, I was well taken care of, loved and looked after. Um, Whether I wanted to be looked after or not, that was important because as a sickly child, I needed all the attention that I could get uh, in order to get to 75 years of age. God had a plan and a purpose. And at that time as a struggling child, I did not know about any plans or purpose. All I knew was that I wanted to go out and play and I was unable to. Uh, Because my asthma was so bad, I also got other diseases that went along with that asthma. Some of you may know it as eczema. And in those days, they had no cure for asthma. As a matter of fact, when you would go to the doctor, they would tell you that um, it was psychological. And then in terms of my eczema, uh, it was so painful that I was hospitalized many times for it. And then by the time I got to the third, fourth grade, I missed a whole year of school because I was unable to walk my fingers, uh, my neck, my um, hands, everything was just uh, horrendous. That's the best way, horrendous and in pain. And so between that and my asthma, I missed a lot of schooling over the years. Uh, But I'd like to say that in the midst of all this, God had a plan. Um, While I wasn't raised with my mother, um, I was raised with my great aunt who took care of both me and Clive. And she was an older woman and she provided for us how we, how she provided the ways and the means are beyond our comprehension because it was an act of God's spirit in our lives. We were not rich by any means, uh, but we didn't grow up thinking that we were poverty stricken. We grew up knowing that we were cared for. We also grew up knowing that um, God provided for us. There was none of that that was etched in my mind that um, uh, I'm gonna starve to death. And um, for me, 
growing up with these diseases, uh, because I spend so much time alone and at home and being sick and being in pain at times because with the eczema, it's one of the most painful diseases that um, you itch and you scratch all the time. And not only do you scratch, but there's blood and gore, just horrendous way to look at sores on your body. And as a result, going to school, kids sometimes didn't want to be near me. And when I had the asthma, I could barely breathe to walk, but nevertheless, I persevered. And that's one of the things I learned as a child to go ahead and persevere no matter what. And the most peculiar thing in persevering is when I would explain to children they didn't want to come near me because of my skin, uh, they didn't run off. Surprisingly, once I learned, once I explained, trust me, I had to explain all the way through high school, was that this disease that I have, unfortunately, makes me have skin diseases. And because of the skin diseases, you're not going to catch it. You don't have to touch me. But that the fact is, is that, you know, this is here. This is who I am. I'm trying to struggle to get to school. And they were always supportive of me. There were people who knew I could not climb steps very well at school. And they would take my little briefcase and help me along the way. Uh, it was during those times though, that my faith in God began to grow. Uh, although I was little when I was um, ill on the, um, by myself, in the bed during the day, I remember having an experience with God. No, I didn't see him. He didn't come in purple robes or anything like that. I didn't see wings, but I felt a sense of God's presence. I felt that sense telling me that he cared for me and that he loved me. And I was developed with that. And that gave me the strength to persevere for all the rest of my life. And uh, so when I had all these illnesses, being taken to the hospital, being taken to the emergency room, being looked after, there was always that sense of God with me. And that is the promise that he's given to each of us. And, um, and I knew that, you know, God was with me. And so a lot of fears that would come to you as a child that were that, you know, that's a part of growing up and living. I can honestly say I didn't have those fears, but I did know one thing. I wanted to live and I wanted to play and I wanted to read and I wanted to be a part of life. And so that's one of the reasons I persevered. As I got older, I wish I could say that my asthma decreased. No, if anything, it got worse. And it got worse for a number of reasons. You and, tell us about um, the vaccine. But even so, even when I would get pneumonia, even when I would um, be hospitalized, one of the things that happens, you start a time in doing your schoolwork. And then as I became an adult, it also affected your work habits. Um, because tell us about if the I got sick, very, very sick, and I was in the hospital a long time, at that time, there were I took other vaccines for asthma. I took other medical. I was in other medical groups. When I began to take the vaccine for the the uh, COVID-19, I talked to God about that, and I did my research, 
and I knew that black people who were older were needed in this vaccine. Why? Uh, because when we were older, it was affecting us more than any group. And I thought about it, I prayed about it, I did my research, and they were asking other African-American doctors were asking for African-Americans to participate in this vaccine. So after doing all of that, and even reaching out to NIH and uh, John Hopkins, I did not hear about hear back from them. But I went on, and as I met one day with my my uh, asthma doctor, I told him that I was interested in doing being a part of it. And he went out of the room with his um, assistant, came back in with the gentleman who was the principal investigator for the vaccine. I went on and that same day that I came to my doctor, I received the vaccine. And while it was very quick, the fact of the matter is I had already prepared and done my homework. And once I got the first vaccine, the vaccine did not hurt. There were no issues with me for the first vaccine. About three weeks later, I took the second vaccine. The second vaccine was a little bit different. As soon as I got that shot, I felt a headache immediately or something around my head. And I thought, well, maybe it's because I had needed and um, and then it was when I learned that in fact that people do get headaches and uh, that night as I came home, I proceeded to get a fever. I also was um, got pain and um, when I got the pain in the middle of the night, it went from my toes all the way to my fingers. And I never had the flu, so I didn't know these were flu-like symptoms. And uh, in the morning, that night, I asked Clyde, please call me in the morning because I want to make sure I'm alive. And um, so he was generous enough to call me at 6 a.m. I did not feel good the first day. It was horrible the first day for me. And then by the second day, the fever began to subside from 102, and it went down to about 199. Uh, and then uh, by the third day, I began to feel better, and I was able to get up, eat, and do what I needed to do. Um, so here we are about three, four months out. Do I have regrets about doing it? No, I have no regrets about doing it. As a matter of fact, uh, I feel safer for having it and uh, very grateful that I've had, I had the, a, the ability to think these things through and go other black people that will be saved uh, if they lend themselves to um, not staying wrapped up in the past by wrapping by staying wrapped up in the past. I mean, there are medical disparities out there, but we've got to move on as people of hope and a people who employ our Christian values to realize that we walk by faith and not by fear. And uh, so out of that faith, I went ahead and got that vaccine. And um, I don't know if you have any questions, if Clive will allow me to answer questions. Uh, I generally do as I'm commanded at times, but um, if you have any questions and Mr. Dr. Callender allows you to ask them, I will gladly answer them. I, I don't know why you're trying to depict me as a... Okay, there doesn't seem to be any questions. Yeah, yeah, we want you to... Clive, take, it's back to you. Yeah, yeah, I want you to take questions. The floor is open for anybody who wants to ask any questions to Gloria. I have a question, Dr. Callender, for Gloria. Uh, uh, where did you get the vaccine? In the hospital or a clinic or a CVS? Where was it? No, the child vaccine was given at George Washington Hospital. Uh, it began in August and I was a part of that. 
I had a quick question. Um, uh, when you uh, talked about pain, what kind of pain was it? Where was it uh, located? <laughs> the pain after the second injection went all the way down from, my, it went through my body, but it was really primary in my, primarily in my legs and the arms down from my fingers. And I woke up in the night with that pain. And truly by the morning it was gone. I didn't have any more pain. It was just that first night. And the heavy fever came that night. I have a question. So are you saying that you had the coronavirus for one day? No, no. What I'm saying is that, no, I didn't get the coronavirus, but as a result of whatever, what the injection was, um, that whatever was in the injection, for some people, this is not for everybody, they get very tired or they get a headache. And there are other issues that people may have, but I did not have the virus, no. While okay. the virus, um, um, I'm sorry? I said it was just a side effect from the injection. Definitely, yeah. And it, and it hurts at the site where you got the injection. Um, my first time, no, I didn't have any pain. The second time, just very slight pain at the site of the ejection, and it was red, but that was it. I have a question. Did you have any respiratory symptoms like congestion? Well, that's one thing that I thank God for. I did not have. That's the number one question. Uh, did I have any asthma or did I get any bronchitis or anything? Absolutely not. Nothing. So another question. So was the second injection different from the first injection? Absolutely. Okay. The first injection, the first injection, I had no side effects. The second injection I did, and but the side effects were worth it. They were minor. And um, I would say for anyone thinking about getting it is the one thing sometimes doctors don't want to do is prepare you for what's going to happen to you. And I was prepared to a certain extent. I was, um, because I'd never had the flu, when people say, well, flu-like symptoms, I, Clive had told me what flu-like symptoms were because he's had the flu. And so um, I wasn't prepared to wake up in the night with this, but be that as it is, it wasn't anything to it. So I have a, take you, aspirin before you go and take aspirin after you come back. I have a question. Uh, you said after the second injection, you had a, a was it a severe headache or mild headache? A very mild. I knew that something had immediately after the injection. I knew that something was going on in my body, but I thought that um, I hadn't eaten that morning and I knew I was going to take my blood. So I thought it was just a lightheadedness from not eating. Uh -huh. um, but if you're sensitive to things that are going on in your body, you will feel some things. And I was, then after that I ate and I must admit they gave me some food. After each injection, you have to stay for a half an hour. They will not let you out of their sight uh, because there are some people who've been known to have anaphylactic shock. I have all these allergies. I did not have any allergy attack. And um, so, yes, that came immediately, the headache. And then after that, when I went home, 
I was fine until that night about 7.30. Okay, thank you. And there's a diary that they give you, a telephone diary, <laughs> where you have to put everything down that's going through or going on with you. And, and as a result of that, they keep up with you and your health. And there is the 24-hour call number. And I was able to speak with my doctors and they um, call back immediately. And so everybody did what they could do. Um, I didn't know if I should have taken any Tylenol. And so I asked them and they said, absolutely. I have a question. Uh, did they tell you that you're getting the vaccination or the, what do you call that? Uh, something else, you know. Placebo. right. Did they tell you that? No. Uh, it's a two-part no, question. No. So you, you didn't know whether you were getting... I'm sorry, go I'm ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, I didn't know whether in the beginning, I didn't know whether I was getting the placebo or actually the vaccine. They don't tell you. And um, so I really did not know what I got. And when the pharmacist came to inject it, I realized the doctors don't even know what you have. Uh, but the pharmacists and all of the people involved keep a strict record. And then by the time I got my second injection, we all realized that placebo will not do what the vaccine does. You would not get a fever from the placebo. You would not have the pain from a placebo. So actually I did get the injection. Oh, so now you don't have to take vaccination, right? Since you already got the vaccination. That's right. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Quick question. Uh, have you had a follow-up on the uh, uh, antibody tests uh, or your levels of uh, uh, yeah, antibodies? I the, yeah, I go every month and they take my blood and everything. And I just, uh, I took the flu shot even after that. Mm. And um, they're they're very quiet about what they'll tell you. Um, we're having a meeting next month, and so I got a letter from them uh, Tuesday. And um, I understand they still want to continue with testing for some of us, and um, I'll see what that's about. And um, because the tests are going on as we speak right now uh, in children, because the children were left out. So they're starting on them 12, starting at age 12 and up. And even today, Moderna is meeting today to make sure that they get the FDA approval and hopefully they will, and that their their medicines will be out on the road by um, probably Saturday, Sunday. With your side effects, were you bedridden, or um, could you still function, and how long did they last? In uh, the first shot, no, I wasn't bedridden. I just went about my daily life. Uh, the second shot, yes, I was. The first day was horrible. Um, I, um, I didn't feel like doing anything. I felt very weak. And, um, and as I said, when I woke, the pain was gone. So the pain did not bother me. Um, and then by the second day, you're able to get up. I mean, you're not going to run a marathon but you feel a lot better. And that was just me. Now, there are others, I imagine, who were not, you know, um, uh, like I had no issues with the vaccine itself. Um, I wasn't allergic to it. Others can be. Um, I had no respiratory issues. I had no, nothing. Yeah, so by the second day you get up and you function, 
not at 100%, but definitely by the third day, you're fine. And I understand in the warnings, they are telling people, you know, to take the first day off from work if you're working and uh, to be prepared. What led your decision to take the Tylenol before and after you got the shot? And taking the Tylenol, did that um, um, build a shield or help you doing um, and after you took your shot? No, I didn't take the Tylenol before I got the shot. I took the Tylenol after I spoke to my doctor uh, because of the fever. And they were the ones to give me instructions to take the Tylenol. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, I have a question. Uh, were there doctors and nurses, just in case if you had some kind of reactions to give you something right away, like Benadryl, epinephrine, or something like that? Yes. Yeah, they were there. That's why you stay the half an hour. They keep you for a half an hour after you get the shot to make sure that um, everything is okay. If you're going to have an anaphylactic um, mm -hmm. attack, you generally get that right away. Uh, with my asthma, I didn't have any of those, but that's why they keep you. Did they tell you not before the injection? Did they tell me what? They tell you not to eat before the injection. No, actually it wasn't anything to do with the eating. I thought because I was taking blood as well, they took they take about eight tubes of blood. I generally when I am giving blood or take having blood taken from me, I generally know not to eat. That I did on my own, but I could have eaten. Do you think not eating would have um, um, made you weaker and more prone to maybe a fever or something happening? Uh, well, trust me, when I came home after I had the shot, I did eat. Um, I did eat. And um, so I don't think that had anything to do with it. Um, that's what I initially thought what you just said, but no, um, what I felt was that light headachey component in my head and like rush or something to my head. Uh, no, that didn't have anything to do with not eating. Um, but I would suggest that everybody eat before they go. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Thank you. Uh huh. Okay. What is the exact name of this vaccine? Moderna. I took the Moderna. One, one more time. Moderna. When two people speak, give me the answer, then I can't hear it. One I'm sorry. One person uh, tell me the name of it. Yeah, it was the Moderna vaccine. Moderna. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Do you have to take two times this vaccine also? Yes. Yes. You take it about three to four weeks apart. Wow. There's, um, no, there's no difference between uh, first and second shot physically, is there? Well, yes. That's what I'm saying. For me, there was. <laughs> the first shot, I had no, no issues whatsoever. And the second shot was where I had a little more issues. But that was, your, that was your reaction. Uh, I'm, I'm just yes. asking physically, is there any difference between shot one and shot oh, two? The shot itself? Yeah. Yes. I, I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, I don't know if there's more okay. vaccine given to you. I don't know. Okay, thank you. I'd like so, to ask. Dr. Callender, uh, in general about vaccines and generally speaking, what is the difference between, what is the reason for the two shots separating? The first shot, uh, immunity 
is associated with uh, a first shot uh, being uh, uh, to develop your immunity. The second shot is a booster shot. Mm -hmm. And that's when you really get the reaction and the benefit of the first shot. Okay. So, so you must have that second shot. But as she said, uh, the reaction that you get uh, is intensified by the second shot. Even though it's the same medicine, the fact that you get it again uh, uh, heightens your immune responsivity. And that's why the second shot is when you get the symptoms. Okay, so now that's contrasted with the people who have anaphylactic reaction, because uh, they, the first shot they are allergic to that because they've already had a prime, a priming, because they're already predisposed. So for them, the first shot uh, you get anaphylaxis. That's a separate issue. Uh, I think one of the things that I've heard most in the field, uh, <laughs> a lot of the skepticism about taking the vaccine is uh, still going back to the Tuskegee study. You know, are we being, are we being given um, live virus that's going to cause the illness or is this something that's going to really um, uh, to help us develop uh, antibodies so that we don't get the, the virus? And as I understand it, it, this is not a live virus. It's something else that, that attaches to the, the DNA or the RNA uh, that helps the resistance, is that correct? Yeah, it's a protein that attaches itself. And, um, and that protein begins to create the antibodies in you to resist that that virus. So we should not be afraid of a Tuskegee effect, and that should be one of the messages that we carry to oh, the community. I, well, it's not, uh, I mean, we all have other I issues with, you know, poor medicine as African Americans, uh, but the Fear should not overrule the fact that you want to live. That's if you point. really want to live and have a healthy life and not live in the, the, um, the emergency room or anything, you will take that shot. If you don't, then that's your decision. And I, think I that's, took it that's because I knew point. I wanted to live. I also knew that I would be primed to die if I didn't take it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's my point. And I think everybody on the call is an influencer in, in some orbit. Um, and I think it's a mess messaging around um, you know, how we present it or, or how we talk about it that's going to be really important. Yeah, it's vital to us. Um, I, I definitely knew about Tuskegee and other issues and the disparities, especially with us as African-Americans. Uh, but even in weighing that, I had to look at the fact that this shot created today in 2020, uh, 2020, there are more Black people who are scientists. There are more Black mm -hmm. African-American people who are doctors. And um, the fact that the med schools, the four Black medical schools, and they asked for us as African-Americans to be participants. And one of the things that they did is they stressed the point that there are more African Americans in medicine today than there were at the time of Tuskegee testing. So it is really important that the doctors, the African American doctors, uh, have a lot to do with this and getting the word out there and ensuring our people that. Um, yeah, you may get a little bit sick, but this is no longer, you know, 1947. Mm -hmm. And um, we've <clears throat> moved a, a long way. And um, there are people who are attempting to safeguard you. 
there's another issue also. It's the same vaccine for everybody, you know. Uh, with Tuskegee, there was a specific subgroup that got that particular injection. It wasn't given to the whole country, you know. Right. These vaccines are given to everyone. So we, that's for me, that's the uh, the background that I want to give everybody. It's not yeah. specific. There's no yeah. way that they can discriminate or discriminatively discriminatively give black people a, a black Moderna or a black Pfizer right. vaccine. This, <laughs> no color to that vaccine. And that that's the point I was really making and what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. One question. Uh, it's, global, it's a global issue and I don't think we're interested in killing off human species. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why we're fighting against it. Right. right. And now, yesterday, almost 4,000 people died, COVID virus. Um, now, the president of the United States, Dr. Fauci, said should take it. And he doesn't want to take it. That is his, uh, you know, <laughs> president, it came out. So people are doubting, why is he not taking it, you know, and the top guy is telling him to take it. So um, because things that the president does in private that he's not going to be public about. Uh, we know that he's a germaphobic. We know that he does not like to um, do certain things publicly because he's more interested in getting an audience and getting the money from the audience. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is his primary purpose. Uh, one of the things is that you already got infected, and we understand this morning that uh, Mike Pompeo um, uh, was supposedly around people who gave him the germ. So it's not saying it's, you know, whatever they do, they're going to protect themselves. As we, it's, uh, uh, Giuliani called it last week because he was the celebrity he got the top tier of drugs I am quite sure the president will do whatever is necessary for him to do but he's attracting an audience by not taking it or claiming not to take it yeah uh, I have a comment um, and I guess we would need Dr. Robinson, but Dr. Callender or Dr. Walton, you can answer this. In psychology, what helps alleviate people's fears? Is it an eyewitness or a person that's actually gone through it like Gloria? Because even though when people are presented the truth and et cetera, they still have fear. And um, we can do a lot of things. You know, some people, they'll tell me this, and even after you present the facts and try to be logical about it, they, in essence, they will still have the fear. So is this um, a good thing, like what Gloria is presenting to us, mm -hmm. and we would show this to show this one person be, with all of her illnesses before was able to survive and tell you this, will that still be able to help people alleviate their fears? Like I know Dr. Callender, you went from place to place and mm -hmm. you emphasize about even donations, about transplants to get away of those preconceived notions. So maybe this is a good thing if we can get people to watch Gloria or does this actually help? Because, you know, even taking the flu shot, Dr. Callender, you know, the people, they had all the knowledge and et cetera, but they still were adverse on taking the flu shot. So I'd like to hear some comments or response to that. Well, as usual, Carol, you're on target, and uh, I think. But uh, and I think I'm sorry, John, but as usual, <laughs> Carol is on target. Oh my goodness! And, uh, uh, and I, I think that uh, this is the first of many uh, ways in which Gloria can help the rest of uh, the community to recognize that to save their own lives this is something they should do. I think it's also going to be important as we get the message out, you know, to look at where, where we get information and who provides it. And often in our community, it's not the same as it is in other communities. So we listen more to people that we trust. Um, 
people like Gloria, people like Dr. Callender, even in barber shops, beauty shops, nail salons, uh, churches. I mean, those are going to be important um, avenues of communicating the safety of the vac the safety and importance of the vaccine. Um, I know I was a little, I was, I was going to have it, but I was ready to wait to take the vaccine until I talked to Dr. Callender. And when he said he was going to, he was going to be among the first to get it, I said, okay, if he's going to do it, you know, I'm ready. Because he's an influencer. You know, I trust what he says. So I think that that's important that we, we hear the message from, peop from people that we trust. And those of us who've had the benefit of hearing Gloria's story can go out and, and share with the people with whom we come in contact with. Um, yeah. It's important. I also think one thing is, is that um, uh, the reason that people don't always want to take vaccines and, and you can present the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. It's mm -hmm. called free will. You can present them with all the knowledge, but we still have free mm -hmm. will to make a decision, you know, to be proactive about our life or not to be proactive. Many of you made a decision to be proactive about your life and not live in fantasy about I don't have the disease um, and so we'll do all that we can all that we can bring the beer I will honestly do that um, I told Dr. Callender about me getting a, um, a text um, the other day at a little bit after seven in the morning um, and I realized that people trusted me for a number of reasons they knew some of them didn't know until I told them my background and my illness a lot of them did not know those that did know who'd been with me through the journey was like, if you did it and you survived, then I'm going to survive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it is up to us to be the new word called influencers in this generation. And we all have a story to tell. I mean, I told my story, but you have a story. Every single one of you yeah. told your story and that influences your next door neighbor. I may not be able to influence the world, but the little portion of the world that God has chosen to put me in, I will do it. Moving forward, are, are you going to continue to uh, wear your mask? I'd also, also like to say something else. Um, you're a very powerful group. You're very powerful because each of you, if it wasn't you, there was a loved one that you had that you were involved with and that you were caretaking. I have to. You have to wear I have to mask. wear my mask, wear my gloves, wash my hands, and stay away. Um, you know, try to prevent myself from, you know, getting other people sick or them getting me sick or whatever. Because we don't know how long this medicine is for. We don't know if the vaccine will last a year. We don't know if it'll last three months. There are things we don't know about. Yes. Yeah. I will do that. Um, I agree I, that in the black community, fear of the, of the vaccine is probably a primary issue with us because we are skeptical about, we say we don't know what's in the vaccine, whether it's going to hurt us, want somebody else to go out to see if it kills them first before we get it long on the back end. And I agree with what uh, Flavia said that our primary influences in our community are pastors, 
uh, barbers, beauty shop owners, and um, you know we need to. They're primary influencers. If uh, we could even contact them, uh, you know, to, to set aside some of the myths about vaccine, get them on board, and so they get more people on board. That's very important for our community. And I think what's more important, last week they spoke of a female black doctor who was involved in the development of the vaccine. And that was in hopes of changing some of us black America, some changing our minds into going ahead, taking the vaccine. However, in hearing Gloria's story, especially the health issue prior to the vaccine, I think that will have more of an impact to convince someone, yeah, maybe I can do this too. So we need to hear more stories like that. Um, what you said, the, the way you presented it, it needs to be out there. We need to hear it. Um, I have um, heard, and you can add, tell me about other things you've heard. The media, most of the time, really helps. But when they present adverse reactions to this vaccine mm -hmm. and things that calamity or something happened because somebody got the vaccine, they are really hindering people from getting it because they'll take that one instance that one person got an mm -hmm. adverse reaction or an allergy and then it was an allergy and something else that happened because of the vaccine. Does anybody remember? The anaphylactic shock. Yeah. The allergic, these are people who have uh, allergies to vaccines. And if you have an allergy to a vaccine, you should not take the, the uh, vaccine. Right. Yeah. Um, something else that happened by somebody taking the vaccine. I forgot. Well, there, Bell's palsy. There were uh, two people in the study that came down with Bell's palsy which is a paralyzing of the uh, facial, facial muscle. And um, in the trial, the trial that is facial nerve. And um, uh, they were on the placebo. Um, and um, so they had not taken the vaccine. No. But, um, I will, I, I did get a call before I came on this morning from one of the networks that is gonna interview me. And I hope to get the word out there. Miss um, Tatum, the person that you're talking about is Kizzy Corp, she's at NIH. And um, she's a young African-American, 34 years old, who is in the field, who was very upfront in doing the vaccine. And that's her name. And she's right here locally, Dr. Corbett. Oh, Gloria, uh, you've done a wonderful job in explaining this. and. Uh, I'm, I'm truly amazed and you were very truthful, very convincing and you know it came from a person that's not on the top of like uh, COVID virus uh, committee or anything like that. I really <laughs> think the TV should uh, you know get you to educate people you know like channel four, five national televisions. We need more people like you you know, and you're very good and they will believe you because you're not part of the, you know, political system, you know, and I truly wish that uh, they would do that. You're very yeah, good. As I said, this afternoon, I'm going to be interviewed. I forgot what channel. Uh, and I've, I've tried to get out there as much as I possibly can. Because there is a message to tell, and that's what I'm saying to each of you. Each of you have the message to tell. When you get the vaccine, you have a message, and even now with having your transplant, because there's still so many people who are fearful of a needle. Forget it, kidney transplant. Yeah. One of the things that I really enjoyed hearing the 
discussions about is um, people of color being involved in all phases of the creation mm. of the viruses. And, and that to yes. me is uh, very important when you talk about the Tuskegee the, the Airmen, where the involvement of the different um, colors of people, they were not there. So that gives you another sense of um, security as to um, um, the inclusions of the people in the, in the creation of the um, different phases. Yeah. yeah don't don't forget, it, it wasn't the Tuskegee Airmen. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but, but the syphilis virus. Right. Right. And now what Gloria was saying, I really loved it. She said, if you want to live, you know, uh, you, you, sh you will get this uh, 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 vaccine, you know. And if you don't, then you may not want to get it. She's so right because I was involved in something like that. Gloria, I'm from India. I'm a Hindu. I was converted to, I converted to Christianity late in my life, okay? Mm. I had smallpox as a child, three years old, and my mother did too, and it disfigures the whole face. It took many, many years for smallpox vaccination in India, and many rural areas didn't get it. And when I was nine or 10, one whole village was, village was uh, wiped out, at least 50 to 80,000 people died. And only people who had that small pox could go in there and help. And I was a nine or 10 year old child. I was feeding little babies bottles because I could go in there. Regular people who didn't have chicken pox cannot go there because they'll die. They didn't have the uh, vaccination. And so many people you know, were saved by little children like me. And we didn't know, we just gave food or water or whatever it was. And after that, the government of India made it mandatory. Everybody is going to get that smallpox vaccination. And after that, everybody, even up to now, they have to get smallpox vaccination. Yeah. And little children were dying. And I didn't know. And it's still big trauma on my head. Yes. So I also say, please listen to the scientists. And please listen to Gloria. She's right. If you want to live, get it. Is it true that? Is it true I heard that transplanted people shouldn't take it? The, uh, it is not a live vaccine. I know. Uh, transplant patients should uh, not take live vaccines. I think the hesitation is because they haven't had transplant patients in the uh, group of people who were studied. Okay. <clears throat> Those who are on dialysis, Dr. Calendar, and those who have uh, cancer treatments they're going through, can they take those? I don't know about uh, patients who uh, have cancer, had cancer treatments, uh, because I don't know the, uh, whether or not they were involved in the study or not. Uh, so I don't know the answer to that question about dialysis patients, because I don't know if they had any dialysis patients in the study. Uh, oh, wow. So I should be a little hesitant? I just said I don't know. So I, I, I have to try to research that. Uh, because uh, the study is valid because the people who they did the vaccinations on uh, represent uh, most of the United States people. Uh, but uh, I don't know whether they had any dialysis patients yeah. included in the study. And that would yeah. give the answer. I could try to find out for you, Clive, and see. Um, I can't do it today because the Moderna people are with the FDA. Um, but I, I will. I do know that in the breakdown, um, they did try to do a cross-section of people. So I, I honestly don't know. And I don't know what Pfizer did. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I can look it up because they have a paper on it and, and they will identify the groups of people. But the, the okay. question is, did they have dialysis patients in that group of people or did they have transplant patients in that group of people? And I don't know the answer yet. 
but I'm quite sure there are people who are taking the vaccine now who are kidney patients or on dialysis um, within the last two to three days. Well, that's a good question because they, what they do, they, give, they actually are giving it to the first responders and the first responders are not uh, dialysis patients. Uh, the first responders are people uh, who are, uh, take care of patients. Uh, and uh, so I don't know for sure that dialysis patients are part of that group. And so okay. I just have to research it and find out. Okay. Any other questions for Gloria, uh, who gave us her life story along with uh, her vaccine story, which made it even more uh, touching. Uh, any other questions for Gloria? Uh, also would make a comment that Dr. Walton seems like she's a, a natural uh, for this group, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Coming back. That's his, that, that's his subtle arm twist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Any, anything I can do to advance the cause, I'm, I'm in. I'm all in. Great, great. Gloria is going to be busy traveling the country. Amen. Okay. Amen. Oh, okay. oh, no, I don't think I'll be traveling the country. Everything's going to be done remotely by um, Zoom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah so not, no, not, and most people are. Yeah, all of your new cast, newscast people, uh, so many people are working through Zoom mm -hmm. that Zoom ought to get the the Technology of the Year award. <laughs> yeah, I, but I as as things open up, and um, I mean, because there are people who are not going to get shots until 2022 in some countries um, um, because we're here in 2021 but we in America, Europe and whatnot, we're the first on the front line and so there are other countries such as maybe India, uh, Africa, uh, and various other countries that are not going to be able to get these shots until 2022. So our voices are still needed out there because we're fighting against superstition, myths, um, in misinformation, and so you never know what you can say to an individual that makes that lie die right in the, in the, in the uh, shade of sunlight. Why, why is her voice uh, so slurred? Uh, yeah, she has low, low bandwidth, doctor. What it is, okay, yeah. I have what? Your internet oh, connection. Oh, bandwidth. Yeah, your internet connection. Oh, is there there. something I can do about that? No. no. <laughs> oh, is it the computer? Yes. Mm -hmm. Everybody's oh. everybody's computer has a different speed. It's not really the computer; it's the internet the connection. Router, yeah. It's the speed of, of your connection to the yeah. internet. Oh, okay, okay. Your provider may be able to give you information about a different speed. At a, a different router or a different internet speed. Okay. Okay. Well, you might get a better Zoom connection just by connecting on your phone instead of your computer. That's true. Mm-hmm. Okay. Doc, did you well, want to look at the articles? <laughs> it's already 1030 according to my yeah. thing. Um, oh, it's 1029, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your pleasure? What's the group? I'm dirty already. I'm good to go until for another hour. I am. <laughs> I, I have a meeting yet. Another meeting at 11. So. Yeah. Okay, can we look at one article? 
Let's look at one and then we'll call it a day. This is the last meeting for the year, by the way. Oh, well, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Same to right. all, everybody. Right. Because our next meeting would be in January, right? Right. Right. I need to talk to you. Uh-oh, what happened? Uh, I need to talk to you, Dr. Campbell. You'll have time right after this uh, presentation. Okay. Who is that that needs to talk to me? Perlene. Perlene. And Dr. Callender, I do too, but I'll wait an hour and talk to you. You say 11, I'll get you sometime. Probably one after one. I have a meeting from here from 11 to 1230. Oh, okay. Well, I really need, I really need to talk to you right away. Yeah, well, uh, okay. Let's try to get, get after, uh, after 1230, around 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock, okay. Eight reasons patients don't take their medicine. I thought, uh, even though I know this group takes their medicines, thought it would be a good idea to, to look at what they talk about. Fear. Mm -hmm. Fear of side effects. Uh, yeah. Cost. Yeah. Misunderstanding. Yeah. Which... Uh, it goes back to the need for uh, when you see the doctor to have somebody with you if it's possible. <clears throat> In the era of uh, um, COVID, uh, it's tough to have an advocate go with you because nowadays right. they, they don't let you take people with you, which is no, unfortunate. No, you can't go in, no. Yeah, so that's one of the disadvantages. I, I also uh, saw a study that showed that uh, the incidence of suicide in whites and blacks has changed as a consequence of COVID. Mm -hmm. The number of, of uh, white people who committed suicide has decreased, and the number of black people who committed suicide has doubled. Wow. Really? So, yeah, so there's a different impact God. on uh, blacks and whites uh, when oh. uh, they're associated with being forced to stay at home. Uh, and uh, uh, it's it's really uh, taken a tough toll on the uh, black population, regardless of whether it's the disease itself or uh, the things you have to do to, to, to try to avoid the disease. So mm -hmm. it's food for thought. Anyway, distrust, of course, is uh, something that's always going yeah. on. And then worry, well, and depression why people don't take their medications, but take medication adherence is critical. If you're going to get well, you have to take the medication. And so we have to be more sensitive as healthcare providers. Do you spray bottles? All right. Was that a question or a comment? That was somebody answering the phone. This is the last one I guess we'll do. Five reasons why religious services pose high risk of COVID-19. Interesting because the Supreme Court uh, did not uh, uh, like yeah. this information. And so in New York, uh, uh, they didn't side uh, with restricting religious gatherings. Uh, but anyway, they still shared the information that's in this article and identified five reasons while going to church is a problem. Uh, and they identified the five reasons which you see shortly. Enclosed spaces, obviously, large groups, close proximity to others, yeah. staying in one place. Then, of course, the, the thing that really does it is the loud talking and singing, right. uh, which uh, are very dangerous. And then, of course, the uh, Houses of worship are really red zones, uh, uh, so yeah. uh, so it's a you know it, it and and people who take it to court are saying you violating my right to religion, which may be true, uh, but what they're trying to do is keep you from spreading the disease and transmitting right. the disease. Right. Uh, trying so. to keep you alive. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank well, you. Dr. Calendar, it also Thank goes you. with denominations. Uh, a Catholic sedate with one or two people singing versus a Pentecostal or Baptist where everybody is shouting and speaking in tongues and 
doing spiritual dances, it will be two different type of worship services and where there's a mass choir with loud singing and I've, loud preaching. I've been to some Catholic churches that have a, a go-go band. Yep. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not across the board. Well, let's say Presbyterians. <laughs> Well, the number one denomination that they're really talking about are the Orthodox Jews. Uh, primarily, they're out of New York, and um, they, they do not take vaccines for any reason. And recently, about three weeks ago, they had a 50,000 gathering in New York City. And the Supreme Court came out with their decision the day after they had this gathering. And so Andrew Cuomo, as well as the mayor of New York, were furious at the Supreme Court because they've been trying to save these people's lives. And um, they did this service and they kept it from the news. It was a wedding. And this, they this, one, this is one of the articles we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about it last week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And of course, the side effects, Gloria has uh, actually uh, yeah. talked about the side yeah, effects. She did. Yeah. That's the beauty mm -hmm. of, uh, mm -hmm. of uh, what Gloria right. brought to us. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Daryl, are you recording this? Yes, I am. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think that we'll... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it said, she said the same thing Gloria said. Uh, she'd do it again in a heartbeat. Uh, and uh, so, uh, with this, uh, thank you very much. And I hope we uh, meet again in next year. Uh, and have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you.